Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. breath of God. Grace has many expressions. And without a doubt, it has engaged in your life so many times, you have no idea. And 
I think that if you understood how often and how much your lives have been protected, guided, intervened by heaven, your jaw would drop on the floor. That is the nature of grace. And it's an itsy-bitsy voice, but everybody has that. It's like a, a wave of guilt that goes through you that says, are you really sure you want to say that or think that about that person? That's, that's grace in action. That's grace that comes in and says, take it back. That's how grace It saves you from doing something harsh and dark and gives you an option to do something good and light in its place. Grace is the breath of God. everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Carolyn Mace, Grace, something that we definitely all need during this particular time. We needed a pandemic to invite us inwards or to force us inwards to try to figure out what and who we are. Can you believe this? You notice you can hear the chirping of the birds now? They're not being drowned out by cars, airplanes, horns, voices, and people. I can hear the birds, and they sound so much more happier. I can smell, I can hear the nature sort of rejoicing. So it seems as if she just needed a break, too, from us. I guess the whole planet just needed a break from us. And as you are hunkered down in your homes, are you taking care of yourself? Are you meditating? Are you listening to positive things? Are you doing the things you've always wanted to do? Are you refining your purpose? Or are you stuck somewhere in the past? Is something still coming up in your silence? Is something still happening where you're just not feeling comfortable? Are there stories that you're holding on to that you're not clear in terms of the emotions and the baggage that it has left as a recording in the soul? We all need help at some point or the other. Whether it's through a tragedy or through love, we need help. Sometimes we just need clarity to understand what this feeling is about, and what I need to do to let it go. Today, my guest, Daniel Ryan, is the co-director at the Center for Integrative Hypnosis in the Big Apple, New York City. Our blessings and love definitely goes out to New York City. With offices in Manhattan and Brooklyn, he maintains a private practice offering hypnotherapy, regression therapy, and meditation to individuals, groups, and businesses. In his work, Daniel champions ethical practices alongside thought leadership and exploration into new territory. Today, we welcome Daniel Ryan to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Daniel. Welcome. Hi, Sister Jenna. Thank you so much for having me today. 
How are you guys doing up there in New York City? We're doing well, actually. I so much appreciated what you just said about being able to hear the birds. I have people in my life who are ill, and I'm as concerned as everybody else is. And when I leave the house lately, I'm taken with how quiet and peaceful New York City is. There are no honking horns on the streets. It's as if my whole neighborhood is meditating in a way that it never had before. And I don't want to minimize the situation in the world, of course. I'm as cautious as everybody else, and my wife and I are staying inside. But I'm really with you in looking around the neighborhood and noticing how beautiful Brooklyn is and how beautiful New York is lately. Indeed. And, you know, New York is a place that I would come to. And I was like, oh, because I'm living in, like, the country out here in Virginia. Mm. And I go back there, and it's a beautiful city. I love it. I just say, wow, Mm. how can folks really keep themselves sustained in an environment like this where you really can't feel the sound of nature anymore? Well, yes, it's true. And and my answer to that is we must leave sometimes. (laughs) We absolutely must. My wife and I get out to the country and the beach and the mountains as often as possible. But then, you know, the city has an energy that can't be replaced, too. Now, has your business been affected with the lockdown? It has, of course. My wife is an acupuncturist, and I offer hypnosis in private practice. I'm fortunate enough that I can offer sessions virtually, and I am seeing people virtually and have been able to do even some group work and It's all kind of just transitioning my sessions and my group work into the virtual realm. My wife, on the other hand, who's an acupuncturist, she's not so lucky. She's very hands-on with her patients, of course. So, yes, it has changed my business greatly in the short term. What do you feel so far has been the benefit of the COVID-19? It's such a complex and, I say, wonderful question because it does extract from this situation what positives are around us. Uh, it certainly is a wake-up call. You know, you you put it so beautifully at the beginning, Sister Jenna. I really felt you did describing this forcing us to slow down, forcing us to go inside, and forcing us to check in to see ourselves and our families and the people that we're closest with really clearly. I count myself very lucky in that I'm healthy. My family thus far is healthy. Everybody in my immediate circle is okay, and we're taking care of each other. Speaking personally for myself, I've been reminded why I love the people that I love and why they're so important to me, and that is a tremendous experience for me. And then I've had the opportunity also to get to know this new home that my wife and I moved into, fortunately, in February, right before everything really got very dramatic. So we're enjoying our new home, too, at this time. She must be really happy because now she has time to unload the boxes and get everything in order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we both do. So it's filled with all sorts of strange blessings. It's provided this time for us to be able to nest and enjoy our new home. Indeed. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about you. You're a second-generation practitioner, but what led to your interest in mindfulness, hypnosis, even past life regression? Because that's kind of delicate territory. Sure, yeah. It really was my family and my parents. It started there. My father, as you mentioned, was a hypnotherapist and specialized in past life regression. So when it comes to that subject in particular, that is where I begin with mindfulness and hypnosis and meditation. 
I was about 13 years old when I first attended a group past life regression that my father led. It was in New Jersey sometime in the early 1990s. He and my mom were just around that time separating and starting a process of amicable divorce. Wonderful, wonderful parents. But just to provide you the context of what was going on for me at the time was an interesting, interesting time. And not only that, but I was in the middle of puberty. So I experienced first past life regression, this group with about 12 to 15 people that were all somewhere in midlife, somewhere around the age I am now. And as a kid, I had this experience of being a woman on the great plains of the United States in my early 20s, who was a new bride. And I had just married a rich banker who looked like a kind of caricature of the Monopoly man or something like that, and had this experience that may or may not be a literal past lifetime. This is very important to the way I work. I just want to make that clear to your listeners that when I work with past life regression, I really defer to the person that I'm working with as the expert on themselves. So I would never tell somebody else what is a true past lifetime memory or what is a metaphor that is a dream combined with a book they read, combined with a movie they saw, always in past life regression. The question is, how is this useful to us? What lesson can we take from the experience to apply in our relationships and in our lives right now? We want the experience to have some kind of usefulness, to have a purpose. And for me, the experience of who may have been this young woman, this young bride, during expansion into the West in the United States in the 1800s, who was looked at as a possession by her husband. She was left high and dry. I had this image in my mind that she died doing dishes not long after she was left by her husband. And this was the first, what may be, past life memory that my young male mind gravitated towards that day. And inside that experience were many, many lessons about my relationship with my brother, actually, that was a terrible sibling rivalry at the time, and all of these messages and lessons about power and control. So, anyway, pardon my long-winded answer, but past life regression was really my introduction to all of these subjects. Inside past life regression, too, you do have the mechanics of hypnosis, of meditation, of guided imagery, inner work of all sorts. So it really has been a tremendously joyous journey since then. Can I tell you that one of the greatest moments in our lives is to accept that there has been a past life, if not one or mm. ten or twenty. Yeah. Some of us think we've had like much more than twenty or forty or fifty or even eighty-four. Oh, and yes, thousands. Yeah, I mean, it just goes on. And to what extent... Has the soul been so traumatized by something in one of those births that hasn't found the right thought, vibration, intent, scenario to release it? Just look at this life. Somebody said something to you at the grocery, and it's like mm. six months later, you're like, I just cannot believe what that girl did to me at the grocery store. It's still, mm. you know, it's just one lifetime, and it was maybe a passing moment with someone or someone you have a relationship with that definitely still initiates the pain and we're not able to even release it in a birth that we have the ability to choose consciously that I don't want to have this feeling anymore. So here we're holding all of these emotions and I get it. You know, when you say you were a woman in this past birth, 
I'm in a situation where I've questioned something that I've been through, Dan, like you're with a group of folks, there's a part of you that loves them, there's a part of you that just feels like I just can't be with them, I just don't feel safe with them, I don't feel like I can trust them, and I wonder, projection, reflection, is that what they would feel about me? When I go into their energy, I just go, what is this vibe? It's got to be something from my past because they look like they're all smiling at me. I mean, I feel an energy, but I don't know where it's coming from. But I'll get this feeling, and I'm not clear yet where it's coming from. Did I do something, let's say if you're in the military, and you made a mistake and your whole infantry went down? You carry that burden because you're blaming yourself for it, not accepting that maybe that was just the way it needed to be. So when we look at past regression, I just want our listeners to know that we look at it in the context of wanting to help ourselves to overcome experiences that we're still holding on to that's blocking our light, that's blocking our capacity, that's blocking our fortune. And I just Mm. wanted to say that. I think it was really important. So in terms of the many things that come to mind when I even think of your work, but even when I think of hypnotherapy, could you highlight a little bit more about what does hypnotherapy actually entail and how does it compare to other forms of therapy? Yes, thank you. Hypnotherapy itself, we might think of mechanically as guided meditation with a specific goal and a great deal of technique. Of course, everybody listening is probably aware that the subject has a lot of baggage around it and a lot of bad PR. And there's a lot of confusion for good reason based on the misrepresentation of hypnosis in the media. Hypnotherapy in my office and in the offices of my colleagues and friends, we might most accurately think of as a brain training in the positive psychology of how we want to feel during performance. There's a a friend of mine who is a meditation teacher, a wonderful man named Puntak. And during his talks about meditation, he describes meditation as a totally natural state of mind. And so is hypnosis. We are going in and out of trance constantly, just the way a moment of meditation might naturally arise as we're walking down the sidewalk or in some task. So first, perhaps the most important thing I would want your listeners to understand truly is that hypnosis and trance states happen commonly and naturally all the time. The screen, for instance, of our phone or our computer is a trance-inducing substance. Trance can be positive, negative, neutral. It's simply a natural function of the brain, our psychology, our physiology, and attention. So hypnotherapy uses these natural mechanisms in our attention to a therapeutic end, to provide relief, to express placebo effects, to access relaxation in the physiology or in the brain through guided imagery, through progressive relaxation, through suggestion in various techniques and patterns. And again, in my office, answer your question about how does it compare to other therapies? Mm -hmm. My sessions are approximately 60 to 75 minutes long. We spend the first half of the session in discussion. And my first question is always, how can I help you? And the second half of the session is spent in the practical portion 
where we are working with the hypnosis and the hypnotherapy itself. This portion of the session is really what separates a session of hypnotherapy from every other modality. And I also would like to express that I consider all modalities really born equally. These are all tools that are available to us laying out on a tool or a bench, and one will be right from one job and one will be right for another. So, you know, psychotherapy, psychiatry, hypnotherapy, CBT, family constellations, all the things that are available to us, each of them has their own beauty, their own purpose, and their own time. And hypnosis and hypnotherapy in particular have this practical portion where we are exploring the subconscious mind and the sources of creativity, the sources of healing, the sources of sexuality, the sources of identity that exist in the subconscious. And depending on the goal of the person there in front of me and the particular focus of that session, we will go in various directions. But again, usually that portion of the session really we might just think of as guided meditation with a great deal of technique and a very specific goal. And then at the end of the session, there's another 10 to 15 minutes before we part ways where we're discussing observations, anything you noticed, any questions, any takeaways or suggestions before we conclude. So what's some of the result from your clients? Do you find that when they come out of the hypnotherapy, there is a deep sort of a rebirthing that takes place? It depends on the person, of course, and the purpose of that particular session. Mm -hmm. One constantly enjoyable aspect of my career, keeping in mind I'm also a meditator. I love to take deep breaths. I love to sit myself and do inner work, and I love to share that with other people. So there's a pleasure for me throughout the whole process. That relaxation, and to use casual terminology, the good old-fashioned chilling out that takes place within the session as we are taking deep breaths together and essentially meditating for a few moments together before we really engage with the trance is such a wonderful privilege in my work. I struggle to put words around what a privilege and honor it is, Sister Jenna. If you can even imagine, you know, I've been in private practice for about 10 years now, and I've had the opportunity to meditate one-on-one with thousands of New Yorkers in the privacy and intimacy of my office and to have these wonderful conversations with them. It's such enjoyable work. Yeah. Now, is there a relationship, and I'm going to be specific, between the brain and hypnosis versus the soul and hypnosis? Because I consider the soul resides in the brain, and the brain is the physical Mm. component which basically receives the signals from what that soul is going through. So is there like a difference? Well, first of all, I love your (laughs) definitions and structure there. Honestly, I wish I could say I had such definite terms for the soul itself. It's not that I don't believe in the soul. It's not that I don't feel the soul. It's just that I'm not quite sure how to define it for myself. But to answer your question about that relationship, Absolutely. The way hypnosis and trance takes place in the brain is going to be different depending on each person's brain. But just engaging with the five senses, each sense has a special relationship to the brain. The eyes are oftentimes considered part of the brain. The eyes themselves collect light, but it is my brain that tells me I'm looking in the mirror or I'm looking at my feet or I'm looking at Sister Jenna or I'm looking at my friend. So 
understanding how information is processed, especially when our eyes are closed and we're simply imagining the visual or we are imagining the taste of a strawberry or we are imagining whatever scene is taking place. The brain is with us and active and central to it at all times. In my third eye, Jenna, honestly, I see them working in a kind of a circuit that, as you say, the brain and the soul are dependent upon each other and they're both doing different things at the same time as the experience is being filtered through our entire system. So as it passes through the emotional center or the psychological center, the intellectual center, the spiritual centers, I feel that each are active and playing their role but that one might be dominant at a particular time. Does that make sense? It does, it does. So there sometimes tends to be some baggage when it comes on to the misconception of hypnosis. I wouldn't say I carry baggage about it. I know there's a healing Mm -hmm. to it, and Mm -hmm. I even find myself feeling uncomfortable with the fact that I do have a little bit of a concern. If I have to travel back into my past, Will it awaken stuff in me that I can't close down? That's what. So I tend to Mm -hmm. sometimes have a little bit of like, oh, maybe I should just leave that alone and accept that Mm -hmm. everything that I've been through is in me anyway and let me keep moving forward, use God's love, use my good karma to process this. So there are some misconceptions out there. But could you share why that might be. So I just shared with you mine that I feel sometimes afraid that there might be some birds that I'll go back into that were so painful that it might just take me into another dimension and I don't, wouldn't know how to get out of it. But what can we learn from the history of hypnosis and how do we you know, understand why these misconceptions are there in the first place? There's a lot there I would like to respond to. First of all, the history of hypnosis is an extremely rich subject. The history of hypnosis is threaded together with the histories of medicine, psychology, philosophy, industry. The 19th and 20th century, hypnosis has a fascinating journey through Europe and the United States and other parts of the world. Key figures that show up in the story, Freud was supposedly very bad at hypnosis, which I don't really believe, but he also very clearly stripped Victorian hypnosis for parts and made the foundations of psychoanalysis out of the parts of hypnosis that he did like that existed in Victorian Europe. So the history of the subject is extraordinarily rich. And then, you know, the misconceptions and misrepresentations, I don't blame anyone. (laughs) As one who does this for a living, just paying attention to the messaging out there, it's so natural that one would be confused. There is so much mixed messaging, misinformation, conflicting or contradicting information. Stage hypnosis and hypnosis for therapeutic or medical purposes should really have different names. The fact that this one word, hypnosis, that comes from Greek roots, hypnos and gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which means sleeping knowledge, if we look at that literally, this word it should have been broken up a long time ago and given more specific definitions in these different contexts because it is confusing. And I blame no one for being confused. I'm always willing to talk about and explain hypnosis and never grow tired of it because 
as we're speaking about it now, there's just so much misinformation. I accepted a long time ago that I would have to do this. And not only that, as funky and weird as a lot of it is, there's a lot of fun there too. There's a lot of stuff in the history of hypnosis that is kitschy and fun and bizarre and strange that I don't want to dilute that I think should be studied and talked about more. So all of the the misrepresentation and all of that, which, by the way, film and television are the number one culprits. These are TV writers. It's not their job to represent it accurately. They're telling dramatic stories. So they're going to take this thing and make a tool of drama out of it. It's just that there is so much out there. It's natural that we would be confused. It's also kind of a shame because in my very biased opinion... Mm-hmm. psychology and trans psychology and understanding how we are hypnotized by our screens and how common this state can be, especially as we're all indoors and there's this very serious situation happening. A little bit of education would go a long way in inoculating fear and helping people understand their attention better. But that said, you know, again, just media and misrepresentations of hypnosis are so ubiquitous and so wide. It's really tough to fight against that. Indeed. Well, let's look at regression now, because that's another piece of stuff that the writers and the <laughs> media tend mm-hmm. to really the awe-inspiring sci-fi. They'll put it on the sci-fi, mm-hmm. they'll put it on the horror or scare movies, when it really isn't. But tell us about regression therapy. I mean, how does that work? Is it similar to hypnotherapy? It is, yeah. Regression therapy, we might think of as a niche within hypnotherapy, that uses the same ingredients, the same structures essentially, to examine and work with memories and work with our past. Regression being the regression into the past, and this can be present life memories, or in some cases could also include past life memories, depending on one's point of view on that. And to come back to your question earlier about unlocking something from the past or experiencing something scary, it's a wise question, and it's something that, can happen in regression therapy and hypnosis. It's very rare, but it certainly can happen. And just to discuss how and why it does happen for a moment when it does. First off, if we were to Google some of the legitimate bad PR around hypnosis, a fair amount of it does have to do with falsified memories or implanted memories or things like this, the simple fallibility of memory. A lot of these cases take place in the UK and are litigated in the UK. And this is a real concern, just to state the obvious and to bring in the Buddhist point of view for a moment. As we both know, when we are examining our pasts in the mind or through regression therapy, we, of course, are still anchored in the present. The body is in the present. So understanding the nature of memory and that when I go back into a memory of my childhood, I'm not stepping into a time machine, but instead accessing this curated experience that is both emotional and visual and perhaps has other senses there too, that is a kind of momentary return to that feeling of that memory. It's going to be colored by all the years in between me and them. And if my feelings changed about it over the years, that will be reflected too. So we forget these things sometimes, especially in regression therapy, when we think of ourselves as going, quote, unquote, to a memory. 
when in fact we're not going back anywhere. We're only going forward. So I like to have this conversation first with a lot of the people that I work with in regression so that we can have a very grounded and shared understanding of how our memories operate and how we carry them. And then, of course, deferring to my clients as the experts on themselves, whatever the person in front of me wants to accomplish with their time, whatever their question is or the memory that they want to examine is, we will work towards that. I will build the session and whatever techniques or exercises we work with will be aimed towards that goal. So it's not a going back. It's a going forward by releasing your back, like releasing what's in the past. Well said, yes. Yeah, okay. So what do meditation and hypnosis have in common? Because you did share that you're a meditator, and one of the things you felt Mm -hmm. when you're sitting with your clients is you're taking them through the process, you yourself too are being served. So can you share what's common in hypnosis and meditation, and is there any difference? And if so, what are they? That's a wonderful question. And in fact, that was one of my earliest questions as well as a teenager, watching groups in past life regression, in meditation, and in hypnosis, seeing relatively similar things and asking myself and my dad, what's going on here? Why are we using different words for what looks like the same thing? So I have a metaphor that I use, actually, that is the subject of my first book. The metaphor is this, that meditation is a glass of water, that hypnosis is a swimming pool, and that past life regression is an ocean, and that the glass of water in meditation, it's immediate, simple, it's refreshing, it is water, and of course, we are mostly comprised of water, and that like a glass of water, a meditation generally, I'm speaking for myself now, also acknowledging that these definitions belong to no one person, and we'll all have our own interpretation. That meditation is simple, it's refreshing, it's immediate, it's momentary, like the glass of water. Once it's done, it's done, and we go on to the next. Then hypnosis is a swimming pool. The same substance, we're still water, but now it's a larger container. We can go deep, we can stay towards the surface, we can go into the past, we can go into the shallow end, we can go into the future, we can go into the deep end, the kiddie pool, or whatever we want. So a larger container, a larger capacity, but still essentially the same substance. And that finally, the past life regression is an ocean, still water, but now it's almost limitless. It's treacherous. It's beautiful. It's unpredictable. It's strange. It's spiritual. It's all of these things, just as the ocean is. And that capacity ultimately changes, but the ingredients of the exercise stay the same. And just one more note on what the truly important difference is. The first and most important difference between meditation, hypnosis, and past life regression is the intention. The intent to meditate versus the intent to hypnotize versus the intent to experience what may be a past life memory. Obviously, all very different things. It's almost like that should be the universal law in life, no? What's your intention in what you're about to say or do or think? You know, why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? I'm about to say this. So... Intention is really a big need as we go into this deeper state of reflection as well. How can hypnosis and positive psychology work together to actually complement each other? I mean, I see it, but I don't think a lot of physicians or even psychiatrists, for example, I don't see them doing that with their patients. They more so give them a medicine. They don't take them through the journey. 
Yeah, I think I was very fortunate in that I just had the right teachers and experiences around me that positive psychology and hypnosis coming together seemed like a no-brainer and that it would be an obvious combination. And again, I really credit the teachers and the people around me with making it clear to me that that would be very harmonious. And I also agree with you. I feel that there isn't necessarily an awareness of how harmonious that can be amongst wider communities of mental health. They really are so complementary. See, hypnosis has many different ways of working with it, of course. There's direct suggestion, indirect suggestion. There's kind of classical authoritarian hypnosis. There's more modern Ericksonian hypnosis, which is more narratively based and more artful. So there's all kinds of different ways to approach hypnosis and guiding trance as an art form, as much as as a science as well. So carrying through and plugging in positive psychology for me, again, it just felt like a no-brainer. And I would tell all of your listeners, they are seamlessly harmonious. So if you have any interest in combining them yourselves, please do. The progressive relaxation and the nature of hypnosis itself, the experience is, I feel, at its foundation, positively charged in just relaxing the nervous system of the person that is receiving the hypnosis. So the combination of positive psychology and whatever form that would take, you know, usually what that looks like for the people that I'm working with is I'm going to ask my clients about their vocabulary for how they would like to feel. What words would you use for how you would like to feel at work? How do you want to feel at home? How do you want to feel when you're talking to your spouse, your children, your boss? And I'm going to get to know very intimately. I'm taking notes this whole time. What is their vocabulary for when they are in flow, for when they're present, for when they're confident, relaxed, calm? And in the hypnosis itself, in the trance work, I'm going to use their vocabulary as often as possible, not mine, not Dan's. In fact, I'm going to try to take myself out of the experience as much as possible so that this person can sense themselves as much as possible. And I'm going to be doing that by using their vocabulary, by using their cues and using the words that they have already given me and trusted me with so that at those crucial moments during the session, when it matters most, they can feel exactly how they want to feel. Sounds like you make them feel like they're really the ones taking the journey and you're really just there gently supporting them. Like when we first used to go on a bicycle and our dad would just be holding up the bike, but he knows that we can do this. It's a beautiful metaphor, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. just going to add, as you asked about the experience I'm having, and as I mentioned before, how wonderful it is for me, it really is just being part of that relaxation. It's the company and being part of that reset of the nervous system. The session is entirely for my clients. So again, as I said before, I try to take myself out of it as much as possible, but I'm still there and I'm still human. And the relaxation, the calm, becoming present benefits my system every time as well. And that's really all I wanted to add. Perfect. Well, I think it's bringing benefit to humanity. When we can sort of get out of our baggage, you know, all of that stuff we keep carrying, then the world is lighter, isn't it? I mean, I think so. (laughs) Hey, look, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really, really informative. Before I let you go, can you leave us with a website or contact information that if anyone is listening to this show and would like some 
advice and to help them travel a little bit lighter, they can contact mm-hmm. you. Is there a best email or website? Of course, yes. My website is danielryancrt.com. That's C as in cat, R as in run, T as in tiger. And then my email is danielryancrt at gmail.com. Do please feel free to reach out. I would love to connect. Like most people, I'm inside and at home, so I'm probably looking at my email at some point soon. Well, I'm looking forward to us having an off-the-record conversation about your explorations of all of your many lifetimes of experiences. I'm sure it must be profound. Me too, Sister Jenna. Thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate it. Many good wishes and stay safe. Thanks for joining us. So listen, guys, there are answers if we delve inwards to go forward. I love how Dan put it. You know, it's not that we're going backward when we do regression, but it's actually that we are using a tool of regression to go forward. So it's that we are stuck somewhere in the past. But regression says it's time for you to become unstuck so you can move forward. Nature is about a forward movement, even if it's cyclical, and you might bump right back into where you're coming from. It's still cyclical, and it's still a forward movement. So for us to interfere with the universe's natural flow and to start to reverse our journey and go back so much that we're stuck, which is what I think many of us are, we're stuck in the past, so we're not moving forward. This time of silence that we now have for us, let it be that time for you to move forward. So if you'd like information on Dan and maybe have him do some stuff with you, go to Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, Ryan, R-Y-A-N-C-R-T, dot com for some more information. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. Please be careful. Don't forget to take your traffic control, which is to pause every hour in the hour for a moment of peace and silence for yourself, for your home, for your city, for your state, for your country, for your world. Here's off the grid and oldie but goodie from yours truly. Take care, everyone. Be well. In this meditation, I invite you to become aware of the two types of consciousness that reside within the soul. Let us choose the consciousness of light over the darkness of past stories, the history that gets into our way. Let us now remember our connection to the Supreme Energy the Supreme Soul, the Being of Light. For far too long, we have allowed the external forces to dictate our inner force. And at this time, I choose to get off the grid and step inside the heart to be myself. I choose to no longer be under the influence of what the world tells me, what my parents have told me, my spouse, friends, or anyone who has been a negative influence in my life. In this meditation, I stand strong in the original, eternal, imperishable worth of the soul.
I, the being of light, the soul of power, I step into the heart and I become a being of love, a being of light and goodness. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.